Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. I'm very excited. Steve, good to have you back on, man. Always Thanks good for to having me, with appreciate you. it. Um, while I'm getting all through all the rigmarole, make sure that you are all liking the show, hitting the subscribe button, hitting the notification bell, that way you get your email every day in the morning when we go live, which is, of course, every day. And uh, quick heads up, none of us are doctors, so by all means, if we say something that interests you or piques your... Uh, your brain a little bit look it up do your own research and uh that way you can really build your own understanding of all the information that is being brought up um if you have any thoughts or questions comments by all means put them in the comment section that way we can discuss them and i can put them up on the screen and engage them directly now today's topic is going to be community and connection and the binding of those two things together any thoughts or questions before we dive in no everybody good all right let's dive into it so community and connection first thing i want to do i'm going to define connection but <laughs> when i looked it up it would just said it is the act of connecting and i was like oh well thank you <laughs> thank you very much definition uh, internet definition uh, but the word connect the root word of it means to join link or fasten together unite or bind which I really, I like that definition a lot. Um, any initial thoughts? Steve, this was your uh, kind of concept is what to talk about. So let's start with you. Any initial thoughts on connection, community, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, what fired this, uh, what fired me up this morning about this one was my wife and I were sitting having a conversation about the, um, her team at work and some sort of successes and maybe lack of success that they were experiencing with the team. And, and I just, I, it, it really has become apparent to me over the last, I'd say a year and a half to two years, just how much um, people are seeking community and connection. And it, it, in a lot of ways, what I see is, is relative, it's not desperation, but I see people strongly seeking out somewhere to belong. Um, raising kids in 2023, like we are, my wife and I, my son and I were driving home from riding bikes and he goes, dad, he says, I'm just not sure I understand what furries are. And I said, furries, I said, okay, well you better educate dad here. What's going on? And he said, well, there's these kids at school that wear cat ears and cattails and, and they're just free to do whatever it is that they want. And so the, the son I'm trying to raise was speaking in a relatively judgmental tone. And so what I did was I just kind of took it a step back and I said, partner, what do you think that they're, what do you think that they're looking for? by wearing cattails or cat ears or whatever it is on the day to day. And, and he said, well, I just feel like they're looking to belong to something. And I said, well, your gut is telling you the right thing. And when we broke the conversation down a little deeper and keep in mind, he's only 12 years old, but the fact that he's 12 and identifying that belonging to something is important. I, I really strongly believe that, uh, connection is what a lot of folks are seeking and so fast forward to the conversation with my wife that I was having this morning about you know her the people in her team not executing their jobs very well or the people in the team not working together and my comment to her was well do you believe that they're feeling connected to a community in your office and she goes well, well we don't have time to build community and I was like that's where you're wrong and I said, I think that that's exactly what you need to be striving to build is a sense of community. Because if people belong to a community, 
there is an inherent feeling of connectedness that I've experienced um, in the school system working with a lot of kids. And keep in mind, my lens perhaps is a little bit different because I'm, I'm literally in the trenches day to day um, trying to build community for people that don't necessarily know how to belong just yet. And it's my job to make sure that when those kids come through the door, there's a feeling of safety, there's a feeling of consistency, there's a feeling of you are part of this crew and we are all gonna carry the boats together. Now that's easier to do with a group of youth than it is a group of adults. And so that's where, the, that's where my really fiery thought about community connection came from this morning was how to get my wife's and her individual role in enhancing the spirit of community in her office and how to build a better functioning team through this idea of being a part of something that they can then feel connected to, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a great way to start it off. Um, just as a, a quick, tidbit before I hand it off to Sean if you wouldn't mind could you hold your mic off of your shirt and make a little bit of a oh, sure. static noise uh, yep. <laughs> just that way it yep. uh, was a little bit challenging there uh, Sean you got some initial thoughts on that I do uh, so on the furries aspect I it's not that I disagree with Steve but I don't fully agree with Steve and I think that the furries thing is less about uh, wanting to connect with a group and I think it's more about escapism it's uh, it's trying to escape out of the reality of their their world. I mean, let's face it. I think the whole movement is ridiculous. Wanting to be a furry, I'm just saying. Uh, and if that's judgmental, then I guess that's what I am. But as I see it, it's a group that is looking for escapism, not wanting to face the reality of their world. So they're creating an um, an artificial avatar-based world, as it were. A we'll call it a. Um, an avatar of themselves, for lack of a better term. And uh, that's fun. That's fun. If your group is all about getting together and having fun, unless the fun is predicated on escapism. If you're waking up in the morning and not wanting to face the real world by creating a false world and then living in that false world like you're a furry, uh, if you do believe you're a furry, uh, then that to me is escapism. And so to the to carry that further, and, and I'm sure we'll debate that or, you know, we, we could agree or disagree. It's, it's not that important. But to take that to a little bit further, I would build on it and say that that might be playing out in your wife's workplace as well. I'm sure there's people that are showing up there that aren't there, like they're escaping in the moment. They don't they've got zero interest in building community because maybe they don't like their reality. They don't like their job. They don't want to be part of a team. They want to hide in their cubicle as a furry, as it were. And so I think that community and connection is important. But if you're building a community of furries that are disconnected from reality, then is that truly connection? I don't know. That's my first, uh, first thought on the matter. This is uh, similar to where I was going to take this to. Before I do that, I just want to hit this up. Winterstorm, good morning to my community. Morning, Winterstorm. Patrick Grundle, good morning, gents. Good to see you. Um, yeah, and my thought was something similar in the fact of you can have a community but not have connection, right? You can live in all in the same area but not be connected, and you can have connection without being physically in a community as well. And you know, we hear this a lot in uh, the business world, right, of like, we're not, uh, we're not co-workers, we're family, but they're not, <laughs> they're not family at all, right? And the, uh, the trick is, is building 
that connection in order to put it towards the community, I would think. But uh, it's an interesting point of view to look at someone who's not enjoying their workspace as similar to the fantasy realm of furries. I think that's uh, quite interesting. Steve, you got thoughts? And, and before oh. Steve hops in, I just want to throw this at Steve. Like your son's response, I'm good with his response. And here's why. Because he's critically analyzing his world around him and trying to understand how the world does operate and in his world how it should operate. And so if he's seeing the non-reality-based lifestyle of pretending that you're a cat or a raccoon or whatever, if he's seeing that and, and he's like trying to get right with it right now, in a sense, that cognitive dissonance within him that made him think that what is going on there? Like that's that that started from somewhere inside of him that it didn't feel right. And why didn't it feel right? Well, maybe it's because of how he was raised. Maybe it's because of his understanding of how the world should operate or how he'd like it to operate or et cetera. And so, you know, his initial response I'm not saying you shut it down or you did it wrong or whatever, but I'm saying his initial response, in my opinion, that's cognitive dissonance showing up, and rightfully so, because that's a moment that you just can't stick your hands in your pockets and not think about the furry that just walked by as if it's normal, because it ain't normal. Interesting. Yeah, no, I was actually quite proud of his response and and, and really glad for it, um, because it, it opened a door to conversation, right? And coming back to this idea of community just for a second, like I'm not no expert in root or language, but if you to me when I think community, I think the root word communal. And chance your idea of, you know, like we live in a I live in a townhouse complex. I'm sitting on my deck right now. So essentially I'm part of a community um, called Arbor Village and I live in unit number thirty-eight. Mm -hmm. But I would argue the majority of people that live in our community are not communally contributing. And I think that's where I really enjoy the idea of community is it's something that you contribute to. You're part of a communal response. You're part of a communal action. You're part of a, a communal lifting up of somebody when they need it. You know, like I love the idea and I'm a fairly socially isolated person for the most part. I struggle to, to make connections sometimes because people feel so far out of my wheelhouse that I, I can't necessarily take a step to connect. But I love the idea of neighbors because I don't have to necessarily be deeply connected to my neighbors, but we can be part of the same communal effort of watching out for each other's places, making sure that, you know, I have an older neighbor and my son shovels his driveway when it snows, because that's just what we do to contribute to the communal part of this world. Mm -hmm. And so I will, for me, I think where I would love to see the work around community and connection go is starting to identify the escapism, as Sean put it, which I very much support that idea. I think his explanation of, of escapism is, is bang on. But how do we then start to connect with a person who is demonstrating such escapism and an unwillingness to connect? That's where I think the work needs to start. Because when I think about, you know, our audience um, th that is listening today, it's generally going to be people and I hope our audience grows significantly to all sorts of people, but it's generally going to be people that are willing to take action, willing or wanting to explore, wanting to look at the ideas that we're presenting. But what I see around me is the baseline of disconnection and lack of community being a growing thing. So how do we get people to start to identify, A, 
they are stuck in escapism or they're practicing escapism and then b as leaders in our communities communally offering something to the group how do we start to break down or start to take a step towards engaging them to be part of our community great question john what do you think freaking steve is gonna make me talk about something that i wasn't gonna talk about that i already told seb i wouldn't talk about because that jerk was hassling me this morning at breakfast and so um you know i one one of the things that I think is our responsibility over here at The Collective is to inspire people, not have them disconnect with life, but have them reconnect with life, reconnect with life in a almost a ferocious v velocity as compared to how they were disconnecting. I want people to start living a really good life, like an, an active life, a thoughtful life, a, an inspiring life to inspire others. That's, that's what I would like people to do. And, and the furry movement is the opposite of that. That is escapism uh, distilled, and I'm not interested in that. Though I appreciate that people are digging on uh, furryism or whatever it's called. Good. Enjoy. And, and everyone gets to rotate this planet however they want, leaving the mark, leaving their furry-eared mark behind them, I guess. But as far as I'm concerned, that's a bit um, short-sighted. It's a bit individual solo journey-sided. It's more about you than it is about the people around you. Um, if, you're, if, you're an, if you're a person who's investing in your life and the life around you to inspire people, you probably ain't wearing furry ears. You're probably looking for a mountain to climb. Or you're probably looking to be the first... 10 year old solo around the world pilot or whatever something that is large and in charge and inspiring for you and those around you which wearing a set of furry ears is not and so if someone's engaging in life i'm a big fan but again back to my job our job anyone who's over here on the collective's job is to inspire those around us so this morning I was just sitting down uh, for coffee at our local coffee shop here called the Alpine Grind in Rosalind with uh, Alex and, and Seb Lavoie. And uh, we're just chatting about things, this initiative, that initiative, the future, and et cetera. And then uh, I, was, I was explaining the mountain uh, town that I live in to Alex, who it's her first time here. And I said, yeah, just up on that mountain, there's a thing called the Seven Summits. It's pretty pretty famous trail. People from around the world kind of fly here to do the Imba Epic and, and it's renowned and et cetera, et cetera. And it's pretty hard. And, uh, and she said, Oh yeah, you've done it. I said, yeah, yeah, I've done it. I've done it a few times. In fact, uh, to the best of my knowledge, I'm the only one in the world who's done the seven summits three times unsupported in one day. In fact, there's only two other guys that I know of that I asked to come out two years in a row to do it two times in a day unsupported with me. So uh, it's, it's kind of a record. It's no big deal. And, and then I just continued on with my sentence, like, how's your coffee or whatever? I don't know. Cause I don't think of it as a big deal, but she thought it was a big deal. And then Seb started making it a big deal. And then all of a sudden they were talking about, there should be a Netflix documentary about you. You're 60 years old. You're an ex uh, special forces guy. You're a world champion. You're this, that, and the other thing. And they just started boringly talking about the things that I've done in my life. And I'm not interested in that. I was... I was getting annoyed about how stoked they were to do a Netflix documentary about my stupid little life. 
I don't want a Netflix documentary, but I do believe what we need over here on The Collective is people who are inspiring others to live their own versions of their Netflix documentary lives. Like, I don't need any more spotlight on me. It's already too much. But I think we need a collective spotlight on collective people doing too much. And so uh, my, my, in my perfect little world, Steve would do something mega today and it would be on video. And I'd be like, yes, Chance would do something mega today. It would be on video, yes. Now they're just tiny little Netflix documentaries piling up under the banner of the collective mission forward. So furryism is the complete opposite of what I'm trying to do personally and what I'm trying to do as a group, as a community, staying connected on a singular mission, which is to inspire people to achieve betterment within their lives. So, um, uh, of course, I shut down Seb and Alex's effort to inspire me to get involved in some sort of goofy little documentary because that ain't going to happen. But something should happen, I feel, in the future to inspire more people to start moving their needle. Because as I look at it right now, I mean, we've been at this maybe seven months or so. I see lots of things happening out in the community. People are being inspired. They're starting to do their own things. They're they're stepping into it, leaning into it, and all of that good stuff. But somehow I feel not unsatisfied, but I'm not satisfied enough. I'm not satisfied with my own efforts, and I'm not satisfied with the community's efforts. I want the community to do more, engage more, be a literal documentary, as it were. So uh, that's my thoughts on community and connection. I like it. There's there's a lot there, and Steve, I'm going to come to you in a second with uh, to get your thoughts on this. But I just want to hit this real quick. Winterstorm says the Netflix documentary "Water Your Own Tomatoes," the Sean Taylor story. <laughs> 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 Thank you very much for that, Winterstorm. Very uh, inside story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he also puts this in here. He says the community expects the member in it to take what they can from it, but a great community expects its members to give back more than they take, making mm -hmm. the whole better. Which I think I is like a great that. take on it for sure. Um, Steve, you got any thoughts on that? I got a question for both of you guys, but uh, you got any thoughts on that? Hit us up. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I very much connect with and um, appreciate the passion in which Sean just stated his last segment there, and and I'm on board with it. I think where where my passion and and I think more importantly my heart goes is how do we engage the person that wants to be in the documentary? Like Sean saying, like all of us should be contributing to this Netflix documentary. And I, I couldn't agree more with it, but what Sean has accomplished, what I've accomplished, what chances accomplished, what, what our, our regulars and quote unquote regulars, but the people that are, that are connecting with us on the regular, they've already taken a couple steps in our direction. Agreed. You know, and when Seb and I are working together on the mental health walks, I mean, it's been very interesting to watch the audience that shows up to our walks every two weeks because it's the people that come for a couple of walks and then stop attending. They're the ones that I wish I had just one more walk with where I could have a, mm. a more of a conversation because I think there's so much ideation about wanting to be a part of something or wanting to be connected but to be entirely honest, it takes it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of vulnerability and it takes a lot of, of courage if you're depending on your set point. Where are you starting from? 
and that's what I feel like my calibration is maybe a whisker a little askew that I'm not sure I understand the set point and where people are starting from and that's personally I know through my work with youth and through folks on the mental health walk and just folks in the general world like I feel like there's a chunk of them that are starting further behind than maybe we're aware of and I, I, I really want to encourage those people to take another step alongside us so that they can start to feel a glimmer of connection and then thereby they will become a part of our documentary as you put it. Well, I agree. And so the name that came up uh, when Seb was trying to Jedi mind trick me into this uh, nonsense was, uh, well, just look at Nim's die with 14 peaks. Uh, he started off with not much interest in having his uh, face in front of a camera and et cetera, et cetera. And now he's gone on to inspire a bunch of people and yada, yada. And like, dude, that's the last thing I want. But uh, I, I'm i kind of into sh not sharing, but being a tiny part of other people having much larger parts on the documentary that uh, could be five, six, eight people's stories within documentary of people over here on the collective. And in fact, to your point, Steve, Seb said it this morning that uh, I think it would be great if we almost had like bios, not like boring bios of, you know, he was born in a cornfield in Saskatchewan. Uh, you know, the a bio that is notable, but not in a biographical form. It's it's kind of a story of someone's life without it being uh, a, a boring inception story. It's it's inspiring. It's several people in a documentary that is either 20 minutes long, an hour long, doesn't matter to me what it is. With the right people and the story told well, I see it as the as an inspirational piece. That's why I don't want to be in front of that stupid camera. It's because my story, I don't know if, if and it resonates with people to some degree. I started off as a skinny under underperforming kid before I joined the army. But pretty quickly, I kind of got on with kicking that ass. And, and once I started doing that, it's, it's not that I'm untouchable. It's just that I'm not common anymore. And so sometimes like it, people almost don't want to talk to me because they put me on too much of a pedestal, which is really weird. And so uh, I don't think I'd be the right guy in front of a camera. It's not that I'm not the common man, but I'm just not that common, I suppose. And I, I would never want to put myself in that position where people aren't connecting with me because they feel like I'm untouchable or something weird. So I think there is a balance between um, people being inspired and people feeling that they can too reach a certain level of inspiration, as it were, whatever that means. I I'm still not sure if that makes sense. I'm tracking. Stevie tracking. <laughs> yeah, very, very much so. And, and I think that 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 idea and here's a fear of mine if i can share it it's that in particular with our younger audience or our youth that we're seeing or kids we're raising or whatever if they don't develop a connection for whatever reason to become a part of a healthy community they will connect to something that is unhealthy right. yeah and and that's where i think i love i let me i love your door uh, your idea about storytelling i think that there's a lot of really interesting people that we have no idea about 
And if there was uh, an engaging way and a, a relatively simple way to, to tell stories, people are eating that up. Like if you think about the nonsense that people can find themselves watching on their Instagram reels or on their, on their TikToks or whatever, I mean, they are filling a space in their heart with something that is not contributing to its growth. Well, they're filling that space with a void. They're adding, That's right. ex they're adding extra void into it. Right. And so that then becomes what they connect to. And that's what they are. That's what they're making. Their community is the void. And that's where the escapism comes in because the void doesn't fill our hearts. It takes away. And that's, if I'm being totally honest, like that's what I struggle with myself on the daily is watching that void grow. Mm -hmm. I see it in my community. And like, I just, I, I mean, even my townhouse complex around me, like I see disconnection and I'm going to be, I'm going to be gender specific and I'm not intending to be, but like, when I try to connect with male friends around me, like there's just not that many dudes around me that I want to connect with. And my pockets of dudes that I do have, they're either traveling, they're abroad, they are out, out kicking ass. And that means that I don't have them on the daily. And that is a really, to me, uh, quite an interesting thing because that's what men need around them is people that are ass kickers like them or that they connect with that are immediately around them and available for companionship or fellowship or however you want to word it. And, per, you know, perhaps that's what was given to you in the army. Like you were connected to a group of men that were like-minded and women, I'm assuming as well, that were in the same gear. And I think that that's what I would love to work towards is, is understanding what gears people are starting from and then making sure that we have people immediately around us that we can share that with if that makes sense it does it does and and you know i think the real trick is i'm not even sure that a, a team has to be designed that has you know first gear second gear third gear fourth gear sort of various levels of team support or team representation or sort of synchronized connection within the community as it were to inspire at a certain velocity tier one tier two tier three whatever um I think the the real trick is just whoever shows up, they only have to understand one thing that just do your best and the rest takes care of itself. And uh, no one has to go warp factor three on day one. They just have to show up and get in the game of being inspired by tracking good people and then trying to do their part to inspire others around them. So if you show up on day one and you go for a mental health walk out on the left coast and you enjoy yourself, it's then your responsibility to let those around you know that you really enjoyed yourself and please join me on my second mental health walk and uh, let's form up a community around this. So uh, one of the... Mm, puzzling aspects of these kind of initiatives, building a community, building connections, as I see it, is you can build it and they will come. But then once they have shown up on day one, the responsibility is forgotten that they now have to support that community that they just entered into by openly talking about the community that they just entered into what it has done for them, why they are going to stay involved in it, what what it can mean for others. It's, it's I don't want to be too uh, callous when I say this, but this is how I feel. People are showing up, not here, but people are showing up in certain communities like they're the center of the universe. And 
it's they're showing up for them and only them and the resource in front of them is their resource to use and abuse rather than interoperate with and give back to. So it's that classic case of a one-way highway instead of a two-way highway. I'm all about the win-win. So if I'm if I'm talking with someone, I want them to be winning more than I'm winning in in the moment. And so that two-way aspect I feel is the real key that somehow has to be translated out to whoever is joining a community when those connections are being made so they understand they have a responsibility on day one and it is dot 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 that's a great point um i got a comment here from winterstorm and steve i'm gonna come to you here in a second as well but um winterstorm kicks in with this is nature hates a void if you don't actively fill it with something it will be filled for you and i think this is accurate is that if you uh if you don't I've, I've been kind of playing with this for a little bit as you guys have been talking is that we started this off with the whole uh the furry kind of conversation of fantasy versus escapism right or fantasy and escapism i should say and i've been toying with this a little bit and i think that because fantasy is a it's a natural good thing right as a as a youth as a uh as a young person you're gonna have all kinds of fantasies right sean you wanted to be a ninja <laughs> I still do. I, I still am. do, right? I, I always wanted to be a soldier. I got to do that, that, that kind of stuff. But the fantasies lead to passions. They lead to passion projects. They lead to that desire like, oh, okay, well, now I have this fantasy. I want to make it a reality. And I think the branching factor, at least from, from what I'm hearing, is the work that it takes to make that a reality, right? There, it's, it's real easy to say, hey, I want to be, I want to be a ninja, but then you have to actually go train. Then you have to actually go put the work in. Then you have to work on your stealth. You have to work on the, the pieces that you don't have. And I think that, that that the branching point at the work portion of it leads either to fear, which then leads into the escapism portion of it where you just wear the suit, but you don't actually have, you buy a bunch of swords, but you don't actually have any skill sets, right? Um, versus going to take kendo classes or going to learn fencing or going to learn new jiu-jitsu or whatever it is you guys think that's an accurate trail to kind of follow i do i do and and uh you're right to bring it up because that's how i see furryism is it's a low uh, barrier to entry you've mm -hmm. just got to buy a set of fuzzy ears and you don't ever have to sweat another day in your life unless it's a really warm set of ears and then it might be a little uncomfortable but you know whatever you'll you'll get some grit <laughs> I think that furry ears, if they're 10 bucks, that's the biggest investment that that person is making in reality. And then the rest gets invested into non-reality. And um, it's, it's such a low barrier to entry. It's a, it's a simple bridge between I have no self-identity, I have no self-worth, I have no self-pride, I have no self dot 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 fill in the blank. I've got a massive void in me. What's the fastest way to join a club for 10 bucks that all I have to do is wear fuzzy ears and now I'm part of a community where I don't have to do a thing except wear furry ears. And that's kind of society, man. I mean, we're kind of backsliding. The, the work to join a community um, 50 years ago was grab that uh, bale of hay and take it over to the truck because it's Saturday and our town is moving the hay today. 
that used to be a community. Uh, 50 years before that, it was grab your saddle because the community today is rounding up horses. It all involves sweat, blood, and tears. And at the end of it, when everyone had sweated, they all got together and roasted some corn or whatever. There was some sort of a communal effort to recognize the sweat, blood, and tears that had been put out into that community event. And through that community event of wrangling horses or moving hay or building that barn or whatever it was, as Canada was being formed, those connections were made through the recognition of sweat, blood, and tears, investing in the community, not buying your way into the community with a 10 buck fuzzy set of ears. And so the connections, the connections today in a furry community is a house of cards. Your connection is built on 10 bucks in a fantasy world. And so I understand the appeal to someone who doesn't want to invest in themselves, wants to fill a void by being part of a fuzzy community. But uh, I mean, it's pretty simple to see on paper or looking out to the horizon that it's, it's a road to ruin. It might be a fun little hobby right now or a fun little pastime that feels like it's fun at whatever age, 12 or 14 or whatever the case is. I don't know how old a person has to be to grow out of these kind of things. But at some point, you got to grow out of those things and understand that the one year or five years or however long you invested in fuzzyism was a waste of your life. You weren't operating in your community that is surrounding you like your neighbors right now, Steve. It's not a neighborhood of fuzzy ear wearers. It's a community of, we'll call it normal people. And how do you make a connection with normal people? If you can't make a connection with normal people, how on earth can anyone make a connection with fuzzy eared people? Hmm. It's such a problem. <laughs> Steve, you got some thoughts? Oh man, do I ever. There's a lot to unpack there. But no, you know what? I'm, I'm super grateful that Sean brought up the idea of the, the barrier to entry. Um, I really am because I feel like the number of people choosing the low barrier to entry is, has significantly risen, especially amongst our youth and, and the, the clientele and the people that I generally am around on the day to day when I'm working. And Oh, there's so much. My fear is that the low barrier to entry will put people in a position to either demonstrate something that, that we may not connect with for so long that when they are ready to make a transition out of it, will there be graceful people around them who have a discerning heart who can then accept them back into a more typical fold, perhaps? Um, you know, like my job when I see a kid walk through the door who's got a set of cat ears or who's severely overweight or who's practicing a lifestyle that's for maybe non-typical compared to their peers. Like I have to have that graceful heart for that person, especially as youth, because they are at such a fragile moment in their lives that I can have a critical role in steering them towards a healthier lifestyle, more typical lifestyle, or what I believe to be a more self-fulfilling and self-validating lifestyle that will help them have such a strong sense of self that they can't help but connect with others. They can't help but contribute to their community. But that, that branch point, as Chance put it, is, is, is really, really fragile. 
and I'm not I'm not trying to say that we should be treat people with kid gloves and be super fragile with everybody, but I feel like those that are choosing such a low barrier to entry, um, my wish is that they have graceful people around them so that when they do take a step, they're not automatically going to be slapped in the face for it, because they they inherently do want to choose a healthier, more typical. Um, way of living that will help them find what they're looking for. It just happens to be that they made some hard choices for themselves or challenging choices for themselves for so long that I, I just worry that there's a point where we turn ourselves off to others. Um, and I know for me personally, that's one of my missions is to make sure that I do have an open heart to anybody I encounter, regardless of what their situation is to at least hear their voice. Um, when you when you speak with youth that are disenfranchised or homeless or or addicted their one of their main wishes is that they're just seen they want to be seen and they want to be heard and what i feel is the world getting a bit more callous around us to the point where we've we're, we're not even willing to listen or to see people um my wife and i were in vancouver for dinner and there was uh, a person who was have not at their finest and they were asleep on the sidewalk and somebody just literally walked to them, went through their pockets and took their last pennies that they had. And the world was just moving around it. The world was just stepping over top of it and moving around it and not willing to engage. And that happens a lot. It happens on the regular. And you think about the fact that we have the ability to, to, to make that choice or to make a change or to step in and say, Hey, that's not okay that's a person laying there or that's a youth coming through our door or that's my neighbor who could be from Neptune. But I have to find a way to be able to just keep an open heart so that if they do step across and say, Hey, can I borrow some eggs? Yeah, man, I got you right. Just as an olive branch, but does that olive branch actually pay out in the long run? I have to believe that it does, but with what I'm seeing around us, I'm not so sure at least currently, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, it does to me. And, and what, as I was listening to that, it, it was formulating what I was trying to say earlier. And that is someone who shows up with like no self worth or self identity or trying to fill that void, etc. That individual is a example of a system. And so when you talk about that person who's laying on the sidewalk, uh, having their pennies taken by probably someone else who's homeless and, you know, maybe four hours later is also laying on the sidewalk, having their pockets uh, rifled through. Well, um, that now that's a systemic problem. So you can choose, like not you, Steve, but a person can choose to view the isolated incident, the individual as, well, if I can just put myself in their shoes or I can just put some time into them or I can just try to help out or I can maybe guide them in a different direction. Well, that's one thing. But when you enter into a, a room full of uh, fuzzies, where they're all wearing cat ears, now it's a systemic thing. And so now you're looking at a systemic crowd that you're going to walk up on, uh, let's call it 100 fuzzies. And you're going to try to apply that individual uh, empathy. Hey, man, I totally get you. So do you walk around the room for 100 people? And, and and spend your entire day trying to connect with fuzzies? Or do you look at the system as a, as a whole, that systemic fuzziness in that room and think, I'm gonna address the system? Because that's what we're talking about, homelessness on an individual level versus on a systemic level. We can 
we can talk about how this all happened and how it's only going to get worse. But that's not the topic for today, I suppose. The topic is how to create community and connection. And are you connecting with the individual or are you connecting with the systemic issue? And I think a lot of people in today's modern world, you know, we'll call them uh, suburbanites, for lack of a better term. Uh, someone who is used to a certain quality of life, gets into an inner city, not used to the homelessness. Are they looking at that isolated incident as, I'm, I'm going to save the world by, I don't know, buying that person a coffee? That's an easier way to view the world than the systemic issue of, oh my goodness, look at the homelessness, what am I going to do? And then trying to interact with that at a more institutional level, as it were, start a nonprofit, blah, 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 all of the usual things. And so sometimes if, if a person is looking at the individual issue, if they throw a buck in the hat, they think, that's it, good deed for the day, solve the world's problems. But that's not really what happened. That's just a, a brief little ego check mark on that individual issue that has in no way, shape or form moved the needle on the systemic issue. The conversations rarely as you're walking down the sidewalk are about how to solve the systemic issue. They're usually about, ah, I'm going to throw a buck to that guy and did my good deed for the day, as it were. <clears throat> That's a great point. I, I do love the fact that you use the term systemic fuzziness. I love that. <laughs> That's just amazing. Um, and I, I have just a little bit of a pushback here I wanted to uh, touch on was, you know, you guys are talking about people that want to be heard and people that want to be seen and people, and that's a hundred percent. I've spent most of my life wanting to be heard. That's been one of my biggest things in my own head that has driven me to do all, a lot of the things that I do. Um, but what I've recognized over a period of time is that when I was young, I wanted to be heard when I didn't have a voice. I didn't know who I was in order to be heard. So when I had the opportunity to be heard, I had nothing to say. And that, I think that's one of the difficulties, especially in these um, situations, because clicks happen for a reason, right? Whether it be fuzzies, whether it be jocks, whether it be nerds, whether it be goths, whatever click you want to come up with, right? All of those things are communities within themselves that bring connection between the people that are involved in those communities. But the trick, at least that I've kind of uh, come to realize over the years, is that each one of those communities in a silo of itself doesn't have anything to offer to the other communities in those moments. So you look at why the jocks and the nerds, I'm, I'm using colloquialisms by all means, so don't... Uh, all breakfast clubbish. <laughs> the breakfast clubbish, right? So there's an immediate um, clash right? Because they don't, know how, they, they, had, they don't know how to use their voice in order to create the connections that would benefit the community at, a lar at large. And so I'm wondering, how do, we, how do we develop the people that want to be heard? How do we develop their voice in, in order to, for them to be heard for that better? Well, uh, just, just before we dive into that, I, I want to establish that the Breakfast Club that was then. Mm. Now, we've got an entire different breakfast sure. club called an order of magnitude, more silos of Absolutely. jocks, semi-jocks, kind of jocks, wannabe jocks, jock, jock, jockity, jock, 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 
there's a hundred silos just on jocks, then nerds, we've got a hundred silos, then hundred silos. As, as we progress into the future and people are not establishing who they are within their community, establishing who they are within themselves, they're looking for validation, they're looking for identity. Initially it was super bright red hair, not doing anything in their life maybe except flaming red hair to get some sort of eyeballs on them. But now, well that was a couple of years ago, now it's super bright red hair with lightning bolts in the red hair because that's next level noticed. And so all of these things, all of these artificial constructs that people will layer on themselves to get some sort of connection with the other red hair lightning bolt to folks out there to connect with them. These things take no sweat, blood or tears. They take no effort. They take 80 bucks at the hairstylist and now you're part of a gang. They take 10 bucks at the store to wear fuzzy ears. The sense of connection and community, the only investment is a quick dollar and then you're in. But that doesn't establish any character. That doesn't establish any commonality. That actually brings a group of people together that are quite disconnected into a simple connective point on spend 10 bucks. Now you're in the gang. And then what's the gang? The gang doesn't even know what the gang is because there's, there's no sense of community other than we all wear fuzzy ears for 10 bucks. So if nothing's earned, as far as I'm concerned, it's not valued. And how do you earn something? You earn it with a bit of sweat, blood and tears. You earn your way into a community. You earn your connections through hard work. And that, that common work is what binds things together. If there is no work being done, I believe that's how things unravel. That's a good point. Steve, what do you think? I couldn't agree more. Um, hard work and strong and, and strong, caring leadership is what gives those people that voice chance. Um, I had an experience, like I had a really eclectic uh, mix of kids in my strength and conditioning class uh, this last year. And every one of it, like it had every kid from every clique, including international students with language barriers. I had some goth kids. I had some trans kids. It was like a super mix. And uh, one of my students walked up to me and he said, why do you always do the workouts with us. Don't you get tired? And I looked at that kid and I said, cause you deserve it. You deserve someone to sweat alongside you. And he just kind of stared at me and it was like, he was puzzling on it for a little bit. And I left him be the next class he comes in and I said, do you have any questions about what we talked about last class? And he goes, why? I still don't understand. Like, why do I deserve it? And I was like, because everybody in this room deserves somebody to ride alongside them to do the work beside them. You can't deny work. If when we, like when we Murph in our gym, everybody finishes the workout in their version. It might not be as all the way intended because we're all starting from different places. But when you ride or die beside somebody, you can't, they can't deny you. And so my response to that kid was, now I need you to go sweat beside that kid because they deserve it. And those were two kids that were not going to connect. They were not going to talk to each other because they came from two different cliques for sure. But that kid tried me on and he went and he partnered up with a rando kid who we never would have connected with and they did the work together. And then next thing you know, that other kid, they're willing to try somebody else on. And this take it's a process. This doesn't happen overnight. We're talking a semester's worth of work here. 
But the reality of it is, is by demonstrating a willingness to lead in a, an environment that had so much randomness together and making it a mission that everybody's voice was valuable and counts, then we have the ability to move the needle. And I think, Sean, like I, I really strongly believe that the needle can be moved if people are willing to engage with work. I, can't, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and, and you know, as you're as you're saying that, Steve, like I was thinking similar things, uh, not not as precise as you put it out experientially, but I was seeing the kid with the flaming red hair and lightning bolts uh, carved in the side, all twisted spikes, the whole the whole thing, you know, what whatever their orientation is, whatever gender there is, none of that matters to me. All of those things are just a veneer. Red hair, purple hair, green hair, brown hair, doesn't matter to me. Tall, short, overweight, not. All veneers. They're almost inconsequential to me. What does matter to me is you earn your seat every day in the community. You earn your connection every day through the community. The only way to earn, sweat, blood, and tears. Now, you don't have to bleed a lot. You don't have to cry a lot, but you should be sweating. And that's, as I as you were telling that story, I was seeing two kids sweat together. And through the common adversity, the common workload, the common acknowledgement of someone else spotting you on the bench press, as an example, or spotting you on the chin-up bar, not only is someone observing someone working on behalf of the team, but now there's a team member in there helping someone on the chin-up bar to work for the team. It's team and team, baby. And so, um, you know, a, a fuzzy is not a team player, in my opinion, because you haven't sweat, you haven't bled, you haven't teared. You've just spent 10 bucks to be part of an artificial reality that has no bearing on teamwork, community, or connection. I, <laughs> this has been a fantastic conversation so far. I got a couple uh, comments here I wanted to hit. And a point I wanted to make, but Steve, you got any thoughts on what Sean just said? Um, just that the world is a very interesting place in the sense if you look at our structures of education that exist, if a kid gets my name on their schedule, they're there whether they really want to be or not. And if they walk through the door with those ears on, they're with me for four months. And I'm going to make sure that even with the ears, they're going to sweat because they will sweat on feelings of self-validation and like I can do this even though I might still be flirting with some some other sides they're still gonna have to do the work and that's where the graceful heart comes in it's just like no I see who you are and guess what you can do work like everybody else can no matter what in the regular world or when a kid leaves our buildings or finishes their educational systems as we have them here who or where in their everyday life or adult life has or gives that same opportunity and i think that's a that's a piece to explore more mm. absolutely it's one of the things we do on the collective <laughs> so, so we have a couple comments here and before i get into these i just wanted to point something out again going back to the systemic fuzziness here but um i think or do you guys think that the key then is to shift from systemic fuzziness into systemic effort in that the system then needs to be designed around effort rather than, you know, see on the news or Matt's got a great point here. I'm just going to pull this up. He says, <clears throat> there are also so many voices now 
everyone has a platform or a means to speak that it has turned into noise. The key is to be able, a learn skill, to listen to one voice within the clutter. And I think that this goes to mm. kind of what we're talking about. He carries on either as a means of self-learning or understanding or just to hear someone's story that in that moment, i.e. a bad headspace, I think that I think it's great. But, you know, creating creating a system or creating community, which you're doing in your strength and conditioning uh, at school is you're creating the community and creating the connection through systemic effort in that no one gets a pass. Everybody's well, systemic accountability. That's, exactly. that's a word that is first go. and foremost Thank you. throughout this entire conversation as being the fuzzy-eared individual that walks into my gym. They can leave their fuzzy ears on. It's cool. Whatever. I, I dig it. I, I see you. But you still got 100 burpees that you owe me. Yeah. Let's see if those ears stay on by the 50th burpee. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Maybe by the 100th burpee, the ears are still on. Even though you're sweating like a dog, you like your ears so much. But then when the burpees are finished, we're on to the next thing. And by the end of it, you're a hot mess. And then you get to leave the gym, head home, and think about how uncomfortable those ears were. I didn't ask you to take them off, but they're going to make you sweat a whole lot more than you need to uh, the following day. That's a great point. Steve, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, totally concur. I th I think that uh, self regulation and and collection of the community around you is is a is a process. And yeah, like I, it, it's like another another comment I have about this is like I want to be in a building where Sean's working. I want to be in a building where Chance is working because all three of our classes, if that's what we were running, was classes. They're gonna have a similar vibe. Mm -hmm. And I really do think that there's there's a, a systemic problem with with too much variety or variability in how things are delivered that are important. As I feel that this is important, like this idea of community and connection, hard work being the the foundation of it all. If a kid gets my name on a schedule and gets it somebody else's name, another kid gets a different name on their schedule. I can't say that that other kid is going to have the same experience, and I I can't say that all the people are rowing in the same direction in my Agreed. building and yeah. i do i do see that as being a, a a bigger problem overall that the leaders that are doing the leading are are not necessarily aligned with um a forward moving style of thought or practice and i i, I see that as a bit of a barrier um but you know the kids that show up or the adults that show up and they're unprepared for something and they feel the discomfort that sean's providing they can't help but change to become more aligned with what a more typical um, way of functioning is just for the practicality sense. Like I can't wear the ears. They're too hot. They fall off. They fall in my face. <laughs> right. Sure. F these things. Yeah. And then like I've, and I've seen examples of this where kids are wearing a hoodie in class because they have body image issues. And you'll say to that kid, Hey, I'm not worried about the hoodie. You do what you got to do, but here's the work and we do it. And next thing you know, by round six, that hoodie's in the corner and they're engaged and they're in the mix but I've created an environment that's that that is safe enough for them to be what and who they are without that ridicule. Once they acknowledge that the work is more important than where they're stuck. Yeah, and, and, that, and, and the best news is like ridicule, they're ridiculing themselves in their mind maybe, yeah. and maybe their peers for about 15 minutes are looking at them a little like I'm giving you some ridicule look, 
But after 15 minutes, as long as you're still performing, as long as you're sweating in the team, who could ridicule that? A no one. And by the end of it, once everyone's standing over the finish line for that day, whatever that finish line is, that's how teams are born. Mm. You're there at the finish line with the rest of the community. And through that process, that's how you connect. Who cares if you're a million pounds overweight? If you cross the finish line with the team, you're on the team, baby. And you know who's the most inspiring person in that moment? The person who's a million pounds overweight. And uh, I, at least that's what I feel. That's what I've felt in the past. If someone in their mind is an underperformer and I see them overperforming in context of where they're at, in context of the team, I'm now their biggest fan. I have, a, uh, I have a great example of this, and this is from back in the day when I was playing high school football. Um, you know, I was a skinny, lean, fast runner. And so when we were running, we'd do, you know, all kinds of different drills and all stuff, all these things. But we were doing 100-yard um, 100, 100 sprints. So they were, you know, 5 back to the goal line, 10 back to the goal line, 15 back to the goal line. And when it starts, all the fast people start to take off and they start to exceed all the, the slower people so the linemen kind of are usually in the back and the uh the receivers are usually taken off on their run and this one particular day um usually the coaches would cut it off at a certain time period and they'd bring everybody in and be like okay you know you guys didn't make it all the way through or whatever not a big deal we're going to carry on with the rest of the practice and there was this one kid who he was a lineman i think he was like six foot maybe 300 pounds like he was a big big kid <laughs> he was only like 17 and uh we started we we ran through the whole thing we came back uh most of us had finished the coach had called it and said yeah okay everybody bring it back in and this one kid did not stop and we sat there and watched him from 40 to 30 to the 20 to the 10 and just worked his tail off sweating um the entire team just sat there and watched the coaches didn't know what they just kind of sat there like, oh, okay, I guess this guy's going to finish. And he made it a point to finish with everybody, with everybody else. And to your point, Sean, that was one of the most inspiring moments of my life was watching that kid push himself. Even though people were watching, even though it initially started with Snickers, like, ha, 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 is he going to finish this or not? Like, this is kind of funny to a point that we all just stopped and we're like, holy cow, this guy is giving it. And I think that that is part of the part of the connection piece that sports provides, that the military provides, that all these things that are physical in nature, because at the end of the day, it comes down to what are you willing to provide? What are you willing to give to the team? For, or what are you willing to give to that community to build it without the thought of building the community? It's just, what am I going to give? And if your answer is everything, then you're part of the team. Well, you know, what, what is interesting is uh, that's a, obviously a powerful memory for you from back in the day. How come that didn't inspire you every day over the last 10 years? I forgot about it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. And so uh, that's the thing about inspiring memories. They're, they're only existent if you're connected to them on the regular Exactly. And so you just pulled up a random memory uh, that was super inspiring then, but somehow you couldn't use it as fuel to inspire the rest of your life. Do you know how you can do it, though, is when you're engaged right now with a community that is inspiring. 
You don't have to worry about your shoddy memory about that one time back in high school that you were inspired. You're literally in it, in the now. And that's the trick, man. You can be inspired a bajillion times throughout your past. And unless you keep that constancy of, I'm fired up because that one time that one guy did that impossible thing, I can do it too. Unless you're that kind of guy, and I kind of am, I, I feel it really easy to track uh, something with ferocity. Not everyone's like that. And so if you're not like that, and chance you weren't, then you got to be involved in something in the now, in a community that is kicking ass right now. And if you're in a community of ass kickers, it's easy to become an ass kicker because that's what's expected of you and that's what you deliver. And that's what Chance is doing right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, a few years ago, all the fuzzy memories don't count for anything if you're not a guy who can be fired up about memories. So yeah. it's just a thought. Yeah. No, absolutely. 100% correct. Steve, you got any uh, thoughts on that before we do I, some final checks? <laughs> I do. Um, imagine how much more impactful that moment would have been if your coach coaches an entire team finished that run with that kid alongside him yeah. instead of watching him do it including the adults yeah. being out there running with him because i think those of us that are in positions currently where we have an opportunity to witness something like this or we have an opportunity to be in a community of people that are kicking ass imagine if our rule was nobody finishes alone mm. imagine if our rule was nobody finishes alone we are in there we're in it with you so that means if we're done our shit, oops, sorry, stuff. If we're done our stuff, and apologies, if we're done our stuff and somebody else is still going, there's at least a handful of people that are alongside finishing the work with them. Mm -hmm. And those, those will become things that nobody can forget because it will be like, wow, I was a part of that. That was amazing. That was inspiring. I'm going to make sure I stay connected to that feeling or try to. I agree. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we have couple of comments here and i just want to hit on these before we do some final thoughts um we got one from 1911 colt 45 gov a great little pistol uh what about manufactured adolescence i think we kind of covered this in terms of the furriness but uh, 100 years ago you were treated as an adult after confirmation at church or many other things now we push back what it means to be an adult by almost uh in some circles to 30 which i think is a, a great point in terms of it is the hall it passes, is a great right? point so uh, there is that. And then Winterstorm says, some communities define themselves not by what they believe in or stand for, but what they are not or don't believe in. Mm. If all you have is what you're not, there is no depth or longevity. I think that's mm. great. That's very good. And then uh, he finishes off with this one. You're not done until everyone is done. Mm. Community. Mm. I love that. That is fantastic. Um, so thank you, Steve, for the conversation. Sean, awesome conversation. Any final thoughts on community connection or anything that we've gone over so far, Steve? I would say just seek it out, choose to engage with it, find the people that fill your bucket within those communities, and then find ways to give back to it. Find ways to ride alongside those that are, are finding their way towards it. Keep a graceful heart, keep an open heart, and look for those that are wanting to belong to more than what they are belonging to now. Sean, final thoughts? Uh, now, take everything that Steve just said, and I'm going to distort it just a little bit. Just a little bit, because that was all super legit. <laughs> I'd just add this. 
And while you're doing that, ensure that you're seeking a community that pushes you. Yeah. I, I don't care how many fuzzy ears you own. To me, that ain't pushing you. What should be pushing you is entering into a community that makes you feel like you need to pick up the pace. Yeah. If, if that community is called the burpee community and you've never done a burpee, be prepared to do a burpee that day. Yeah. And so communities that I think build strong, charactered communities that create almost intense connections are, are communities built of connections that are built on sweat. Yeah, 100%. Um, I can't thank you guys enough. If uh, those watching, make sure uh, if, how would you define community and connection? By all means, put it in the comments. We read them all, so make sure that you engage with this community, the collective, and connect with each other, connect with all of us. That way we can all push each other, we can push our pace. And on top of all of that, we get to learn more about each other which allows us to build our own sweat equity, and then we can grow into the people that we're meant to be. And you can do that with us every day here on The Collective. We'll see you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo. <laughs>